Welcome to the podcast, Vaginas and Vertebrae, where two doctors talk all about down there topics that seem to be overlooked. Whether it be mindset, body image, self-love, or medical questions, we dive deep into all aspects of being female. Dr. Madeline is a chiropractor who is on a mission to inspire women to reconnect to their bodies and reclaim their power. Dr. Kaylee is a pelvic floor physical therapist, spreading the truth that your vagina is magical. And as a woman, you deserve to rid of all the shame, guilt, and fear, limiting you from stepping into your boss bitch self. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you so much for your support of our podcast, Vaginas and Vertebrae. Please understand that all of the information, whether it be by Dr. Kaylee, Dr. Madeline, or our guest, is all solely based on personal and professional opinion. Nothing that we say or give information on should be utilized in place of any medical advice that has been given to you. If you are experiencing any medical symptoms, signs of issue or dysfunction, please make sure that you follow up with your physician and make sure you are following all of the plans of care. We are not saying that we have a physician-patient relationship with any of our listeners, so therefore we do not have any liability with what you do with the information that you gain from this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening, and we're super excited that you were just so chill, and you're ready to learn, and you're ready to listen to the way that we feel about what's going on in women's health care. All right, welcome to another episode of Vaginas and Vertebrae. Every time I say that, I get really excited. I wonder how many total episodes we have now. It's got to be over 50, right? Yeah, we should start counting so we can introduce them. <laughs> I think we ended um, season one around 40, and then, I don't know, actually, this might be only like 45, 46. But anyways, welcome to Vaginas and Vertebrae again. I'm Dr. Kaylee. I'm Dr. Madeline. And we're excited to bring the topic this month in, because remember, we both come on here together once a month, and we're super excited to do that. But we're going to discuss something that we've both been seeing in practice. And I don't know about you, Dr. Madeline, but I see this conversation online all the time about diastasis recti and pregnancy. And this is actually a topic that you had brought up because you were sharing with me a little bit of a story about a client and things like that. So I want to kind of give you the microphone to kind of begin the discussion to tell us what brought this to your attention. I mean, we, I, have, I know you do too, but we have a lot of conversations in practice with our patients, our pregnant moms about it. Um, I would say, at least in our practice, it seems like, I don't know, maybe half know what diastasis recti is, or they've heard somewhat of it before. And then the other half, we just kind of, at some point it comes up in conversation. And I actually had a lady this morning and I had mentioned it and she was like, wait, 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 what is that? Cause I just saw it online, but I've never heard about it before. And how it came up today with her is she was, um, trying so I since I'm a chiropractor at some point a lot of women lay on their back on my table and even throughout I would say if I don't tell them any differently they will usually go try to go their entire pregnancy when they're face up when they try to get off the table as doing a crunch and getting up and you see these like especially later in their pregnancy like pregnant moms kind of look like a turtle on their back trying to like you know flail up and then they ask for help and I always show them an alternative way to get up and to definitely use that like when getting out of bed in the morning. And um, usually it's just a great opportunity to, to introduce the diastasis recti um, conversation. So yeah. yeah, yeah, 
and, and we've talked about this too on the podcast before, like it just sounds like such a dirty word. Most of my clients will say like they feel that diastasis recti is like a terrible, terrible word. And so can like, I think what we wanted to clarify real quick is when you're saying that they're crunching or they're sitting up from a table, you're seeing like coning or doming or tinting, correct? Yeah. Like we're definitely, that's an open part of the conversation to start talking to them about that. You know, do we see that? This is why I'm asking you about it. And that like reminded me to have this discussion with you is I try to have it as early as possible, not wait until they're later in their pregnancy. Now, if you come in later in your pregnancy, that's a different story. Um, But a lot of moms, we see like preconception, you know, so we'll see them on the earlier side as well. Um, But yeah, so we're, we're talking about like, you know, are we seeing doning, geez, um, coning, tenting, like that type of thing? And the other, like one of the other moms more recently, she had just straight in and came, came in and said, hey, like she had told my sister, like I'm having pain and difficulty um, with like my workouts. And she just asked her like what she was doing. And she's in her first trimester. And she was like, oh, well, like I'm doing like crunches or sit-ups for my abs. And then that spewed the whole like, well, have we checked for this? Do you know what this is type of thing? And she had checked her in the office and she was already doing some sort of like, um, tenting. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's an important conversation to have because if you actually like Google diastasis recti during pregnancy, I wanted to kind of do this on the podcast because this is something I actually do with my clients in the office a lot, because as you all know, one of my big specialties is diastasis recti. Um, or diastasis recti. There's a lot of things that you can call it. That's just what I call it. But if you like Google diastasis recti during pregnancy, you get all of these like horrific, like all of this horrific information, like excessive intra-abdominal pressure causes diastasis recti and all the things. But what I wanted to bring this up for is because when you are sitting up, yes, we need alternative methods, but we also want to recognize that nearly, and I'll say nearly, 100% of women will have diastasis recti during their third trimester, not just during, but by their third trimester. And that is a statistic that I like to share with people because we all think that it's something that's this, this terrible thing. Now, there are, of course, different things that we need to do to modify exercises or movements just because we don't want it to worsen for our postpartum recovery. But it's so important that we recognize that it doesn't mean that we're broken. Like that's the worst thing that we can do is be like, oh my gosh, I have coning and somebody told me that I'm broken. You know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> and we do have those conversations in our office too. So I'm glad you mentioned that, but yeah, well, that's one of the reasons we talk about it. And, and we try to mention some same thing. Like it's, it's quote unquote, like normal at some point through pregnancy for the majority. So, but I think you see these moms, um, who maybe have come out from the other side and they have a severe separation and they've been to their doctor who has told them like, you can't do anything or like surgery is your only option type of thing. So we know like them in our head, we're like, well, we don't want to get there. Uh, how do I not get it? Yeah. Yeah. And it is something to consider as far as preventative measures go, but it's more so I tell women during pregnancy, you know, we want to consider prevention for postpartum recovery more so than during pregnancy, because by the time you're pregnant, if you're starting to see it, there's just modifications and things we need to do to help to stabilize because postpartum, we don't want it to be separated in a sense of 
being worse for recovery. I hope that makes sense. But let me back up really quick. Let's first like actually, because we may have some listeners in here who don't actually know what we're talking about when we say diastasis recti. Um, It's something that I talk about every day because it is again, my life and it's your life and it's just what we see and what we discuss all the time. But I want to make sure that we clarify what it is. So diastasis recti, again, before you Google it, like the the easiest way to kind of consider what this means is the, you have two sides on your abdominal wall. So you have a left side and a right side of core muscles. Those muscles are connected together with a connective tissue layer. It's called the linea alba all the way down your core. And what diastasis recti is, is that linea alba separates and the ab muscles pull that apart to where things can, things being organs, things behind the skin, behind the tissue and all of that are starting to push forward, which when we say coning and tinting, that's what you're seeing. And so I also want to tell you that diastasis recti is different than a hernia because you can only have diastasis down that midline of your core. So that's where that occurs. A hernia can occur anywhere. And so clients ask me all the time, I think I have a hernia when it's actually a diastasis or vice versa. And so it's just important for you to understand that that is like that, that term, what is it? And then just as Dr. Madeline said too, it is, I hate using the word normal. No. I really, and I can't really think of another way to like explain it other than the fact that it is something to expect. Maybe that's what I want to discuss here. Is it something that's technically expected by your third trimester? Because think about it. You go your whole life, no matter how old you are when you're pregnant, your whole life without anything pushing and stretching your abdominal wall open, right? Like you don't have that much push from baby growing on the inside. Something has to go somewhere. Things have to move. Things have to stretch. Your body has to stretch. You're getting hormones like relaxing. All these things are starting to happen. It is a very expected thing to occur that things are stretching and moving out of the way so that baby has more room as they grow. And then when you give birth, that's when things can kind of start coming. And I hate saying again, bouncing back, coming back together, closing the gap. I hate all of those terms and we'll discuss why, but like we want to make sure that we understand that it's something that is expected by that third trimester. And if you don't have it, that's great. If you do have it, that's also great. It just means your body needed to make room for baby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, yeah. And it's a really hard thing, I think, sometimes for us to process because I can kind of think of it in, I can understand why it's a hard thing to think about not being negative because like you said before, on social media and on Google and all of these things, you only see that extreme. You don't see what what it really is during pregnancy. You don't see what it means to actually stabilize and do good deep core function and all of that to help prevent it from being worse in postpartum. You only see the surgeries that are happening. You only see the terrible things that are occurring um, and the aftermath of when it goes wrong. And, and don't get me wrong, there are some situations where it can be to the point of surgical consult, but the majority of the time, it's something that it, it warrants a discussion with a good fitness professional or with a pelvic floor PT so that we can really address what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, since we're talking a little bit, I, wanted to like mention too that and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more later when we talk about like some um scaling options and things like that but I know we had mentioned like crunches or sit-ups but you can see this um in other movements as well through your pregnancy absolutely absolutely and I think it's also really important to not just jump just because you have coning or doming or you don't have coning or doming in the one position, because I'll just be the first to say that there 
<laughs> is a lot of misconception out there on how to test for diastasis recti. And what I mean by that is most people will only put their fingers right at the core and they'll have you do like a crunch and that's it. And that's all they do. Um, that's not the best way to test because you can totally get a false positive or a false negative in that position. One, because it doesn't feel comfortable. So you're going to bear down a little more than usual. Or two, you might have something above or below the fingers. So it's really important to have a proper assessment of that. And so some movements that are pretty common to see it in is hanging from a bar. If you're doing fitness, if you're hanging out, not even doing toe to bar, sometimes you see it just by hanging or moving your pelvis front and back. You can see it while you're on hands and knees. You can see it while you're doing exercises on your back. Typically it will be shown when you have core activation. I've actually seen several that will like appear with things like squat thrusters, just because of the overhead activity and, and push presses and things like that. But again, it's all something that we can maintain and modify or change your posture with or change up using a barbell for a dumbbell, different things like that that can help you perform the movement and the activity without feeling like you're putting all that pressure there because there, you know, this leads into the discussion of what causes diastasis recti. And there's a lot of like different theories out there, but it really all comes down to the separation of the ab muscles and then the pressure in the inside of the core taking that path of least resistance, right? Like if it's already stretched out and loose, that's where it's going to go. Like that's just what pressure does. That's how things work. It's the same with everything in our body. And so being really mindful that if you know how to breathe properly and you know how to maintain pressure within your deep core and you know which muscles are supposed to activate. And what I mean by that is, are you able to activate external and internal obliques along with the deep core system, along with the pelvic floor? Don't get overwhelmed. But if you're able to do all of that, you're not going to see that tinting and that coning. And I also like to go into the discussion of tinting and coning does not mean an end all be all. It does not mean don't do it ever. It doesn't mean don't sit up that way. Cause I tell people all the time, like there's so many women that come into my practice and they're like, my doctor told me never to do a sit up to get out of bed. I hate the word never run from that doctor because it's very functional to do a sit up to get out of bed. It's just how we function right now. Are there better ways? Of course, but am I going to try to change your strategy that you've used for 40 years? It depends. <laughs> and so being really mindful of functional ways, but how can we get you to do that without causing more issue? You know what I mean? And what I mean by it's not always bad because I think like there's this stigma around, oh my gosh, I see coning. I have to stop doing that exercise or, oh my gosh, sit-ups are terrible or, oh my gosh, crunches are terrible or whatever that thought is. It really depends on how much pressure is being distributed in your core. And that's another assessment that pelvic floor PTs, you know, that's just what we know what to do. We know how to assess whether it's a bad versus a not so bad type thing, right? And um, there are fitness professionals out there as well that are trained on those like specific techniques on being able to do that. But it's really important to get that assessment because there's so many women that come in and they, or, or they even reach out to me online and they say they have diastasis. And then when I do the assessment, they really don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like postpartum mostly, but during pregnancy, even, and I will assess you during pregnancy to see if you have diastasis. I'm not surprised if you do. I get, I don't get concerned unless it's like something that is completely crazy. What I mean by that is like, if I'm sinking in when I'm doing the test, meaning I have my fingers there and my fingers sink in into the core mm -hmm. instead of being pushed out, that's a little bit of a different concept or way of going about things. But during pregnancy, we really just need to figure out how to turn the core muscles on to help get baby out. Like that's our real main concern, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I could get on a soapbox about diastasis all day. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things to treat because it's so like mind blowing to hear 
all of the false perceptions out there. And I feel that way about a lot of things in women's healthcare, you know, like people just, and it's just, again, it goes back to, and we did an episode in season one that discussed this like do's and don'ts of exercise during pregnancy, I think was the name of it. And we discussed the sit up and of course there's better things to do, but if you want to do a sit up, I'm not going to tell you not to do a sit up. I'm going to teach you how to do a sit up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there are, you know, good benefits for sit ups. There's ways to take pressure from different areas in your body. If you want to do a sit up, it's actually quite good for the pelvic floor, depending on where you're at. So I think that it's really important for us to really challenge and the same thing going back to like a Google search, like challenge where things are coming from. Like there's a website out there. I think it's called whattoexpect.com. That thing drives me nuts. <laughs> Some of the things I read on there, I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> no, I imagine. <laughs> but I think, yeah, like figure out, like, I think exactly like when you are looking for information, like where, where, what is that source? But I would also like put in there, like, what's the intention behind like the person who wrote the information on the source or something like that as well, because, um, we've talked about this like several times, like the intention behind like what you're doing or, or like, yes, like I think both of us will like, you know, be like, well, maybe depending on the case or scenario, maybe let's do an alternative for a setup right now, but this is our intention behind it. And, and asking them what they're training, so it's like training for birth or whatever, like training that way versus just being like, like, is your intention, I'm not saying this is the case, but is your intention to do a setup so you can get like a six pack that like those type of things? Like what, what are we really working on and why, like, why do we really think, Oh, is our, I don't know, mission or goal. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's important. And I think it's also, um, not just looking at the sources and their intentions and everything. That's really important. But I always teach my clients to make sure that you're paying attention to, is it actual like truth that's in that or is it based on their experience? And I'm not saying that experience is not good. I'm right. just saying that you want to make sure that you're formulating an opinion of your own body, of your own care, of your own treatment approach based on the knowledge and expertise of professionals. Because yes, there are a lot of people out there, unfortunately, and their intention behind it is to sell a program or their intention behind it is to make you feel shame so that you feel like you have to like invest in them or that they have the only way. And like, that's another soapbox that I can go on, but it's just important to recognize those things. And I think like we can get into this for days as well about like just intentions behind movement, you know, like, I mean, let's face it, who really likes to do sit-ups anyways, who actually likes to do those. I mean, I prefer them over some things sometimes like when I'm feeling really fatigued or if I actually feel really mobile or things like that, I get a lot of benefit from sit-ups specifically when I'm trying to connect to my pelvic floor but I prefer planking. I prefer things that are a little more dynamic and movement wise. But my intention around that is I feel like I can do less, you know, and get more because I'm working more muscles. So, <laughs> and I think, you know, it's, again, it's really important to consider those things. So yeah, absolutely. Like, are you wanting to do a sit up because you've been told that that's the best exercise for core? Because we've already clarified that's not true. Um, or are you doing a sit up because you like the way that they make you feel? Do they make you feel strong? That's a different story. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So really like the whole summary of this other than the 56 soap boxes we just stood on is recognizing that it should be, and it can be, I shouldn't say should, it can be expected to have diastasis recti during pregnancy. 
There are a lot of things to consider when it comes to that. If you're having it early on in pregnancy during the first or the second trimester, we do need to modify a few things because you're going to grow more, which means that the diastasis will probably get more. It doesn't mean anything to be afraid of. It's all things that we can kind of manage and control throughout pregnancy, but just be mindful of rolling to your side to sit up and trying not to sit up every time. Trying different positions when you're sleeping is going to help to benefit you. Different ways of picking up your toddler if you already have toddlers and kids around. Um, different sexual positions are going to be important to consider. It's just things that you can help to prevent worsening of the situation. Yeah. And again, there's a whole, if you go back to season one again, because I think we touched on this in one of my Mythbusters one where I talked about diastasis recti specifically, I did go over that specifically during pregnancy, but I really hope that this gives you a little bit of peace in knowing that it's not something to, that means you're broken. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. No. Yeah. A lot of women experience it, like you said, especially through pregnancy. So yeah. But having a good, good team, good people on your team to help you. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely something that we can do and prevent from worsening for postpartum recovery as well. We can train the muscles still to help you give birth and have you like have a good delivery experience. It's just a lot to, um, just don't Google it, I guess would be my best. Like <laughs> don't Google it because yeah, it's only going to tell you everything that's wrong. It won't tell you all the things you're doing right, which is the majority of the things. <laughs> And if you have specific questions about exercise, I usually tell clients, like if you see doming or coning and it makes you uncomfortable, modify it. If you see doming and coning and you can modify it or you can change up your position or your posture, for instance, if you're doing a push press and you see doming or coning when you get to the top, stand against the wall. See if you still see that. And if you don't, you can practice them from there or do dumbbells with a single arm at a time or something like that, because you just want to modify the things that aren't going to put you in that vulnerable position, especially if it makes you feel uncomfortable because you feeling uncomfortable and pushing through it is going to cause more problems than we want it to. That goes back to what Dr. Madeline talks so much about, about like intentional movement. It's so important because we want to make sure that we're doing things that's training us for birth during pregnancy. That's not going to cause again, issues postpartum or issues in our third trimester. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Well, if you have any specific questions about diastasis recti during pregnancy, any questions that you want us to go into more detail about, I'm sure that one of us can direct you to a blog, a podcast information, anywhere that we've got, um, or feel free to reach out and ask us any questions that you have. Definitely. We're here for you. Yeah. And until next time, this was another episode of Vaginas and Vertebrae, and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye.